Today on the Here to Thrive podcast, I'm talking with Ellie Katz. She's an author, speaker, self-care and meditation coach. Her speciality is stressed out moms. And while I'm sure if you haven't been one, you at least have known one of those. Ellie's been interviewed by Jenny McCarthy on her radio show and has written two books about becoming the best mom you can be. In this episode, we are covering Ellie's personal story and how she hasn't always had it all together, her journey from being stressed to blessed, what balance is all about in her book, practical self-care ideas that can help you bring yourself back to center so that you can show up and be the mom you want to be, how meditation works to calm down our crazy, and also some really helpful parenting hacks to help make the tough kiddo times just that tiny bit easier. So let's get going. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. It's an honor to have you on the Here to Thrive podcast today. I'm sure we have a lot of guests that will benefit from hearing from you about how to be a mindful mama. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I just want to launch right in with you. You've written two books, which we will talk about throughout the podcast, but I want to know about you, Ellie, the hot mess. (laughs) So you weren't always a mindful mama. Can you start there? What were you like when you were a hot mess? You know, it's funny. People, you know, see the name of my book and my brand and they say to me, you know, were you really a hot mess? And I say I was, but I almost didn't know how much until I wasn't anymore. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. (laughs) So when I was kind of in the hot mess phase, I didn't know that there was another way, right? So I just lost my patience and probably yelled more than was necessary and felt really overwhelmed and exhausted and also had a lot of comparison and mom drama and judgmental stuff going on, just a whole bunch of things that didn't feel good. And when I look back at that period of my life, I hardly recognize myself. I cannot believe I lived like that. But what happened was when I started on my journey of self-care, And I started bringing things into my life like meditation and mindfulness and gratitude and things like that. I realized it was kind of like a light bulb. I was like, wait a minute. Okay, what I used to think about being a martyr, like when I, when my kids were really little and I was a young mom, I used to think being a martyr meant I was doing it right. That if I was last on my list, that I was proving my love to my family or showing the world how much I loved my family because I put everybody before me. But then I realized when I did that, my family and the world got an overwhelmed, depleted, exhausted 
version of me, version of mommy. But when I started to take care of myself first, just a little bit each day before I faced the world and my family and everyone else, then my family and the world got a more balanced, energetic, happier, more joyful, present version of me. So it, it sort of my motto became self-care isn't selfish and better you equals better mom. Because when I took care of myself, I could take care of everyone else. I loved so much better. Oh, I hear you. So with your boys, how old are they now, Ellie? Now they're nine and 11. So when they were younger, you would describe yourself as being that kind of frazzled mama. When did things turn around for you? When did you start doing things differently? Probably about six years ago. Now, about six years ago, I was led to meditation. It's actually a pretty fun, crazy story. Would you like to hear it? I so want to hear it. Okay. You might've read it in the book, but some of your listeners haven't. So, um, I was at an event that I honestly didn't want to go to, didn't feel like going to, but my friend was sharing it and I wanted to support her. So I, you know, geared up on like a Thursday night to go to a talk and I was sitting next to my friend and it was a young gentleman giving the speech and she leaned over and she said, his sister is a really famous medium named Rebecca Rosen. And um, I was like, oh, that's so cool. I'd never thought about that. Mediumship, meditation, nothing in my entire life. I was like, oh, that's neat. Then two weeks later, I was at dinner randomly with my best friend from camp. I was in LA visiting some friends. And she said, I just had a reading with this medium that was unbelievable. Her name's Rebecca Rosen. And I said, oh, I just heard of her. That's so funny. Didn't really think that much about it. Went home, watched a show. There was a medium on the show. It was part of the storyline. I was like, huh, this is kind of coming up a lot lately. And then a week later, I talked to another friend who said, my mom just had a reading with this medium named Rebecca Rosen. She said it was amazing. And I kind of threw my hands up in the air. It was one of those moments I will never forget. And I literally, I think I said it out loud. I said, universe, I've probably missed every sign you've ever given me but I'm supposed to talk to this woman. <laughs> You're like, she is popping up everywhere. Yeah, I had no idea why. I'd never thought about this. Nothing. It was not on my radar, but I just sort of trusted that the universe was pointing me in, in this direction for some reason. So I had a reading with Rebecca, which was life-changing because she is the person that told me I needed to meditate. And I think the universe pushed me toward her to really get that message from her that I needed to start meditating. And that was really what set me on my whole journey and path. And meditation really began to transform my life and then gave me a career. <laughs> so it's just amazing how it all worked out. And then this is the craziest thing. Rebecca Rosen just came out with her third book. And I was reading it literally the other night. And I'm actually in it. That so is so cool. Wow. Full circle moment. All right. Yeah. That is so I cool. screaming because she's definitely like an idol of mine. So I, what happened was I, um, when I wrote Hot Mess to Mindful Mom, it was in the acknowledgement to Rebecca. I said, you know, you probably don't remember me, but you changed my life. I'll never forget you. You put me on my spiritual path. And she quoted that in the book and talked oh. about reading my book. So oh. it, it's one of those crazy things. That is so cool. So how did you start off with meditating? So you have Rebecca say, go forth and meditate. Where do you go from there? 
oh my gosh, I was as green as green could be. I knew nothing about right. meditation. I didn't have a teacher like I am now for people. I didn't even know there were benefits of meditation. I didn't know anything. I got this book called Eight Minute Meditation. I read for like 15 minutes. And I sat down the next day on the edge of my bathtub. I don't know why I thought that was like such a great <laughs> And I literally closed my eyes for eight minutes and I just tried. And even though I had no idea what I was doing, I immediately connected with the practice. It felt so good. It was the first time I think I was ever quiet. I mean, you can tell I'm a talker. And it was the first time that these eight minutes weren't filled with a conversation or chores or doing something for my family or running an errand or being on Facebook or talking on the phone. I was just with myself and I don't think I had ever done that before. And it felt amazing. And so I just kept going and kept going. And about six weeks after I had been meditating consistently just for eight minutes a day, I stopped short on a walk. I was walking my dog and I had this ball of anxiety that lived on my chest 24-7, like a weight. And I'm sure that some of your listeners can probably relate to that feeling of just a ball of anxiety on your chest is really the best way to describe it. And I felt it 24-7. And I remember stopping short on that walk because I noticed for the first time it wasn't there. And I said to myself, oh my goodness, where did it go? And then I was like, who cares? I feel free. This is amazing. And I said to myself, well, the only thing that's different in my life is that I'm meditating. So I guess I'll just keep going. Maybe it's doing something. And I kept going. And that's when I started to notice more changes, like feeling less reactive, more compassionate toward myself, um, making better choices, more confident, more present, definitely more patient. And I really just knew that it was really changing my life. And then I tackled some really big time sleep issues with extra meditations and certain types of journaling and things I talk about in my book, Hot Mess to Mindful Mom. And when that happened and I learned how to, you know, fall asleep without pills and really, you know, that was a huge thing. Talk about feeling free. I decided meditation was 100% the best thing that ever happened to me. And that's when I decided I just was meant to be a meditation teacher. God, yeah. I got I got tingles all through my body when you said that feeling of recognizing that that anxiety was no longer in your chest because I know that anxiety, I've felt it myself. It's It can feel like a physical, um, it feels physical. And I know that feeling of it being right in the front of your chest. And the relief must have been huge, Ellie, when you were like, oh my gosh, it's not there. I mean, like soaring. And honestly, it has not come back in all these years. So it's not that, that I don't ever feel stress anymore. I want to definitely touch on that. You know, people say to me, I get a kick out of it. People say to me, oh, your life must be so zen. You meditate, teach people to meditate. And I just kind of chuckle because my life is not zen. I have the same stuff going on that everybody else does. Um, so I definitely face stress day in and day out. I just have all these tools that I now practice and teach others about handling that stress and recovering from that stress so much quicker. So it's not, even though that ball of anxiety is gone, it's not that I don't ever feel stress. I simply recover from it so much quicker. I think that's one of the reasons I really appreciate you, Ali, because I know that you have this normal, bustling, busy life. You know, you're not you're not a meditation teacher sitting up on the top of a hill in perfect serenity. You know, you're going about <laughs> daily life with all of the crazy chaos that can go with that. Absolutely, absolutely. 
talking about Hot Mess to Mindful Mum. Great book. It's about to be re-released in April, right? Yes, it was really exciting. I When it first came out, I self-published it, which was just, you know, I wanted to get it out quickly and it did really, really well. And so I got picked up by an agent and a publisher and actually sold a series. So Hot Mess to Mindful Mom is coming out again, um, April 11th with my publisher with a new cover and some additions and things like that. And then my second book, Get the Most Out of Motherhood, is coming out August 3rd. So it's really exciting. It's very exciting. And I was lucky enough to buy Hot Mess to Mindful Mom before um, from the first release. So I've got a copy in my hot little hands. You're going to have like the vintage copy. I know, right? I'm going to have to get Ellie to sign it too because Ellie also lives in Houston. So I'm going to have to get my vintage copy signed. Absolutely. Um, But you have a whole section in here called Everyday Practices. Can you talk us through everyday practices and what that means to you and why they're so important? Yes. Well, everyday practices are really the things that, you know, I do and I encourage people to do every day to sort of keep you feeling balanced, keep you on an even keel. Okay. Now there's a lot of them listed in my books. There's actually 20 of them. Now I don't expect someone to pick up my book and start practicing all 20. You know, these took me years to develop. So it's really starting with, you know, one or two that you gravitate toward that feel really good for you. And as those become habit, adding in another one, picking something else up, because a lot of them, you know, don't take a lot of time or even a lot of effort. It's just little things you can do throughout your day. Um, I would recommend people really starting with, as much as I want to say meditation, um, I really want to break that down a little bit more, maybe for people that don't feel like ready to have a seated daily meditation. I feel like like meditation scares a lot of people because I meditate and I love it and swear by it. But then I feel like when I mention it a lot, and I'm sure you get this, Ellie, especially to busy moms, they're like, as if, when is that going to happen? So, I mean, like we could go on all day about how (laughs) it can make it feel so easy and it doesn't have to take that much time and da-da-da-da-da. But I want to really reach people with some tools that just want something real quick that they can do right now. So what I really like people to do is something that I call one minute meditations, Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. this is something you can do in one minute, like 60 seconds. Okay. In, you can do it a couple different ways. You can do it whenever you feel anxious or stressed, like your kids are driving you crazy. Someone cut you off on the freeway. You're not sure if you have time to wait in the grocery line. Like you are feeling a lot of stress in the moment. So you can just take a couple nice, long, deep breaths. My favorite thing to do in that moment is to match my inhale and my exhale. So I simply inhale and silently count to three and exhale and count to three, a couple cycles for a minute. You're resettling your nervous system. You're recalibrating your energy. You're settling everything back down so you can think more clearly, make better decisions and choices, not lose your patience and really just create calm in that moment of chaos. So people can start there and you can even do this in any moment of downtime too. Like at a traffic light, in line at the ATM, any minute that you would just reach for your phone kind of mindlessly, you can reach for your breath instead. And so all of a sudden you have these mindful minutes building up in your day and you're really, really helping to keep your energy on an even keel and bring you back to center when you need. So that is an amazing place for someone to start. 
I think that is a great piece of advice because I agree, those mindful minutes, they do add up. It's about just that little bit more space in our days and how much better that can feel, the mind space. Yes, and when you get used to doing those mindful minutes, you might think, hmm, I wonder what it would feel like for two or three minutes and then four or five minutes and all of a sudden you're really meditating. Yeah, you're on the journey. Yeah. So talking about your meditation journey, I just want to clarify this. What point did you stop meditating on the side of the bathtub? Um, honestly, I meditated there for seriously like a year. I don't know. <laughs> this is so brilliant. You so, didn't get any pictures of that at the time. It would have been so good if your husband had snapped a pic. I know. Wouldn't that be funny? So Deepak Chopra has this phrase that he uses called RPM, rise, pee, meditate. And I guess I took it really seriously because I was like, wake up, go pee, and then sit on the edge of my bathroom. <laughs> so then I gravitated toward my closet. My I have a walk-in closet, and that sort of became like my little meditation cocoon. <laughs> and I sat in there. And then when I began teaching, um, I turned the front room, a downstairs room of my house, into what I call the Zen Den and like a, a beautiful teaching space. And that's where I meditate a lot of times now. It's so, so funny because I also – began meditating in my walk-in closet it was like I loved the feeling of being it was like a cocoon there was no windows it was quiet and I was a frazzled mother when I started meditating when I really started meditating and it was like this one place in my house that I felt I could run away to and hide absolutely and it's a really really common place to meditate actually I have tons of clients that meditate in their closet. So if you don't think you have a space, people, there's always the side of the bathtub or the closet. Exactly. (laughs) And I have looked on Ali's website and seen her Zen Den. If you want to see a picture of how gorgeous that space looks, you can head over to her website at Hot Mess to Mindful Mom. It is so pretty. Thank you. You'll have to come meditate with me. I definitely will. I'll take you up on that offer for sure. I know we're on the same page when it comes to the self-care stuff. Why, I'd love to hear you talk through why you feel like it's so important for moms to look after themselves first on their to-do list. Well, it's really because you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't give what you don't have. So if you don't have reserves of energy, then you have no energy to give someone else. So I was saying before how I used to think self-care was selfish. It's, I think the opposite now. It's like almost selfish if I don't take the time to care for myself because I can't be the best version of me. I can't be the best mom if I haven't taken those few minutes to get centered and balanced and feel good. And, you know, I don't want to be the mom yelling all the time and wishing for do-overs. We don't get do-overs. We have to be you know, enjoying raising our kids now in the moment. And when I take care of myself, I'm just much more able to do that. You know, it's very rare that I have a day where I don't meditate or practice, you know, other self-care practices like gratitude or a little bit of journaling or spending a little time in nature. Like I really make it a priority, but once in a blue moon, there is a day where it just doesn't happen. I mean, life happens and I notice a huge difference. You know, it's, it's become my why because I know that I'm not my best self without it. And if I'm not my best self, I'm not my best, the best mom. Oh, I hear you, Ali. Just before we got on this call, I was saying to Ali about how crazy my last week in my life has felt. And I notice it. I had a really busy week. I've got my house on the market and um, 
I gave up my self-care practices for the week for a number of different reasons. There was a whole heap of stuff coming up. And I know that I just can't afford to do that because it just contributes to me being more frazzled. It doesn't help in any way, shape or form to push those things off my to-do list. They so have to be the first things. And it, it's not a problem to shorten them if you have to. You know, let's say you normally meditate for Okay, or I meditate for 20 minutes every I was going to say, I'm usually 15-ish. Okay, so let's say you meditate for 15 minutes in the morning, okay? And you have a crazy day. Get three, four, five in. Get something in to reset, to rebound. So instead of saying, oh, I just don't have time today, you can say, you know what? I just have to make it shorter today. And that's okay. That is a great piece of advice. I I have not been doing that. I'm going to do that. Talking about, aside from meditation, what you kind of touched on them a little bit, but can you go into a little bit more detail about your favorite self-care practices that perhaps people who aren't so like, oh yeah, I'm ready to jump on my meditation bandwagon. What other self-care practices do you find really useful as a mom? Uh, Actually, another really amazing one is cultivating more gratitude in your life. I think that gratitude is just a huge game changer. It's virtually impossible to feel stress and gratitude at the same time. They're just different vibrations. So sometimes, um, you know, if you're feeling kind of off, it's really helpful to think of something that you're grateful for, which can be hard to do in the moment. Like, you know, it's not like I expect people to be cleaning throw up off their floor and thinking of things they're grateful for, right? But at the end of a tough day, you know, we can end our day with appreciation. We can start our day with appreciation. People that practice gratitude are more joyful, have stronger immune systems, sleep better. So gratitude is amazing. And I have a really, really easy way for people to do it that doesn't take up any time at all. Oh, tell us about it. (laughs) Okay. What I encourage people to do is to put a little note that simply says gratitude on your bathroom mirror near where you brush your teeth. So you see it when you're brushing your teeth. So when you brush your teeth in the morning and the evening, you look at that note and you just think of a few things you're grateful for. So you're starting and ending the day with appreciation, but it doesn't feel like a whole nother big thing. Like you don't have to have a special journal. It's the same exact thing. If you think it versus write it, whatever feels good to you, but this is just quick down and dirty, getting gratitude in, in the morning and the evening to kind of start your day and close your day in a really nice way. That is such a good example. It's it's funny you say about the not writing it down thing because here I am as a mom and I come from a, a psychology background and love positive psych and gratitude is huge in that space and I'm with you. I know all the benefits. And then I tried to start this like daily write it down journal. I was like, oh, that is too hard, Basket. And if it's too hard for me, then it's going to be too hard for my clients. And yeah. so I'm the same. I recommend um, – I haven't had a prompt like that though. I've always – gone to bed and just thought through three things I'm grateful for but I love that prompt on the bathroom mirror but what I was going to say is I actually personally think it's almost more powerful when you feel your gratitude because you've got it in your mind and you really feel it into your heart then I've seen some people sort of just throw down a couple of things on paper and seen it and think that job is done and really never soak up the emotion of it and it it loses its power I think when you don't sort of feel the gratitude. I would agree with you. I mean, I think the one amazing thing about these practices is that there's no right or wrong way. Like there's no way to mess up at self-care. So any way you want to do it is totally fine. So if you like writing it, great. If you like 
just thinking it and feeling it, great. I mean, I agree with you completely that there should be emotion behind however you're doing it. But I really would like people to take away that you can't mess up at any of this. So even if someone is doing it differently, um, you know, like your friend says, well, I do my gratitude like this. Okay, that's wonderful. If yours is different, that doesn't mean she's right and you're wrong or vice versa. It's however you want to do it. Self-care is like a non-judgmental, no comparison zone. Everybody oh, I love it. What they feel comfortable doing. And the point is never to judge your practice. It's just to do your practice. Yeah. And I tell that with meditation all the time. Your job is to do your meditation, not to judge it. There's no such thing as good or bad or anything like that. Just every experience is its own. And that really goes for everything you do about self-care. Oh, such an important point, Ellie. Such an important point. The other thing I loved, I think it was one of my favorite little things you have, and it's in your, um, in your, the next section, which is the, the things that you don't have to do every day. Hang on a second. What's that section called? As needed practices. And I kind of call it the stressed to blessed list, but you call it the stressed to gratitude list. Can you talk us through that? Yes, I love this one. So doing a stress gratitude list can be really, really powerful. Um, so what you do is you take a piece of paper and you draw a line down the middle. So you have two columns. And on one side, you write stress at the top and one side gratitude. So I usually play a pretty song while I do this. And on the stress list, you just write down anything you're feeling stressed about. Big, little, significant, insignificant, it doesn't matter. No one's ever going to see your list. So it can be anything. You write down anything you feel stressed about. And then you count them up. So let's say you get 10. You then want to go to the gratitude side. And you want to write everything you feel grateful for. Again, big, little, significant, insignificant. And you want to be sure there's at least double the amount on the gratitude side. So if there's 10 on the stress side, you want to have at least 20 on the gratitude side. And what I love about this is you're acknowledging your stress. You're saying, it is okay that I feel this. I'm putting it out there that I feel this and, th and that is okay. But even though I do, I have so much more to be grateful for. And it's an amazing visual just to kind of put things in perspective a little bit. There's always more to be grateful for than stressed about. And I think sometimes people feel a little intimidated by having a gratitude practice because they think everything they need to write that they're grateful for has to be extremely profound, you know, or really, really major. Like, of course, there are times we write, like we're grateful we woke up and we're breathing and the sun is shining and we have our health and those things are huge and are usually part of a gratitude list. But it is okay to be grateful for finding the perfect lip gloss or you love your new shirt. And it's okay to feel grateful for that stuff too. And so I don't want people to ever feel intimidated or like they're not being grateful for the right things. You can be grateful for anything. Mm -hmm. So true. Gratitude is such a powerful one. And I just love the way with that exercise, like you said, you're, you're you're acknowledging that it's okay to have those feelings of stress. You're not trying to pretend they're not there. You're just looking at both sides of the equation. Yes, absolutely. Because we want to sweep our feelings under the rug. Yeah. We want to acknowledge them and work through them and admit how we're feeling. Sometimes it's not so great, and that's part of life. Right. And we have to learn how to manage those feelings. So it's a way of not sweeping it under the rug but still bringing more perspective 
to the situation. Yeah, I thought that was a great one. Balance. When it comes to being a mother, I feel like so many women crave that word, balance. What does it mean to you now that you've kind of gone from the hot mess who didn't even realize how frazzled you probably were at times to such a more mindful mother? What does balance now mean to you, Allie? You know what? It's so funny. When you were asking that, I just, this voice came in my head that just said, balance is a constant recalibration. Oh, balance is a constant. I was going to say, that's like a tweetable moment, right? That's like an Oprah tweetable moment. So balance is a constant recalibration. Okay, I'm writing it down. Yeah. Can I make a quote out of that, Ellie? Yes. <laughs> yes, that is so yeah, good. Yeah, I make one too. <laughs> yeah. Um, balance is a constant recalibration. I don't think, at least I don't think that we or I will ever get to the point where I feel balanced 24-7 because life is always coming at you with stuff. Stress is always coming. That is part of life. But I will always be practicing managing that. I will always be using my tools. I tell people I teach these tools and I work them like a full-time job too. You know, right. I'm, so it's sort of about sitting back and being like, job done, now I'm a mindful mother. Right, like you're never like, I'm done practicing mindfulness. I'm just mindful all the time. That's why it's called a practice. <laughs> We're always practicing. So I think it's just constantly recalibrating, bringing more awareness to how you feel and sort of being able to catch yourself before things get too cray-cray and sort of pulling yourself back and using your tools. That's mm. kind of what balance is to me. Uh, I've seen that in my own development too. I didn't used to realize how, like you said, how stressed I was or how frazzled I was until I was like really done. And I feel like now with my self-awareness, I catch myself on that journey and it's so I don't ever slip so far. Exactly. That's that's all, that's the hugest progress ever. I know. You know that we just don't go so far down the rabbit hole. You know, we might just peek in and be like, oh, that's, I don't want to go there. Yeah, yeah I don't <laughs> like crazy anymore. <laughs> Ali, I want to switch it up and ask you the questions I ask everyone now, my little intermission questions that are always off topic, but sometimes the most fun I find. Are you a morning person or a night person? Um, you know, I would my entire life be saying morning, but I feel like maybe I'm sort of half and half. I would say morning for more productivity, evening for more like um, more fun stuff, like a little Netflix binge watching perhaps or something like that. But I am really trying to focus more on getting enough sleep. So I guess I would still have to stick with morning person. Morning person. I know you're a night person. Oh, I so am. I know I say it in every episode. I I restrain myself from saying it in this one. (laughs) What's currently sitting on your nightstand, Allie? Currently sitting on my nightstand is Rebecca Rosen's new book that I was telling you about in the beginning of the show. Um, it is what I've learned about living, what the dead have taught me about living well. Oh, I think I've seen this book. I need to buy it. I haven't got it yet. Well, make sure you look at page 27 where you see my name. Oh, I so well. <laughs> is there anything else on your nightstand? Do you read in bed? Um, I do read in bed. So it's funny. I read fiction on my iPad and I read self-help always paperback because I'm always underlining um, I just finished also, um, I don't know if you've ever listened to Adya Shante, a wonderful teacher. I just finished one of his books, The Path of Liberation. 
on my nightstand is um, the gifts of imperfection. Um, there's oh, um, Amy Lee McCree's book. Oh the Joy yes. That I heard about on your, your podcast. That's on my nightstand right now. I think that's it. But I love it. There's a pile of books. I'm the same. I'm all about paperback for the self-help because I am an underlining, highlighting, writing notes. Yeah. My books are a mess. I can't lend them out to anyone. But I also have a very favorite fiction book that if anyone wants an amazing, my most favorite love story called The Art of Hearing Heartbeats. Ooh. If you haven't read it, you must. You know, I wish I could read fiction. I don't even think I've ever got through one fiction book. It's a it's a character flaw. Try this. Try. <laughs> what was it called try again? The, the art of hearing heartbeats. The art of hearing heartbeats. Okay. It Your favorite so self care activity, Ellie? Oh my god! Well, I think it has to be meditation. So, okay. I was going to say it has to be meditation, right? I mean, it has to be meditation, but some other things okay I love I want to hit him snuggling with my dog Mm. is like honestly a major form of self-care for me (laughs) because Mm -hmm. she makes me so present and so in the moment I think animals have that gift to teach us so so in such a beautiful way um so she's part of my what I call my trigger plan the few things that always bring me back to center and balance is a one-minute meditation, snuggling with my dog, having a cup of tea, or taking a minute and stepping outside. So those would be, I guess, my best forms of self-care. I I was reading your emails the other day about trigger plans, and I love that idea. Can you just run us really quickly through what a trigger plan is? Sure. So a trigger plan is like two or three things. Mine has four. So you can have as many as you want, but not too many. I would say two to four things that you know bring you back to center and balance without fail. So no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter the situation, if you're feeling anxious or stressed or, you know, really upset, you can do one of these things to really bring you back, recalibrate your energy, help calm you down. Now, listen, my dog isn't with me everywhere. So that works for me when I'm home. So I recommend a one minute meditation, some breathing be on everyone's trigger plan because your breath is your most portable self-help tool that you have. So that should be on everyone's. But um, other things that could be on trigger plan would be like taking a bath, connecting with a friend, exercise, journaling, a page of spiritual reading, um, you know, something that just really makes you a few things that really make you feel good. Do you know, one of the things that is on my trigger plan is literally just taking a whiff of lavender oil. I open up my lavender oil bottle and I just, I just have a little sniff, like it's, I don't know what, but it makes me feel so much better, a little whiff of lavender. Love it. I know I'm a huge essential oil junkie too. And um, it is amazing. And that one only takes half a second and brings me back to center. Okay. Ali, what's your favorite detour in life? The, oh the mistake or the kind like of wrong the turn. Thing of my life was a detour. <laughs> like but, um, my favorite detour. You know, I think that um, becoming a kindergarten teacher. You were a kindergarten teacher. I was a kindergarten teacher, and it wasn't the the perfect career for me. But I did learn how much I love teaching. And now I, I teach adults. <laughs> and I'm sure you learn a whole lot more about children too. So it was pretty much yeah. perfect training. 
Yes. So that was probably a really, really, even though it wasn't the perfect fit, it was a really positive experience for me. Oh, so interesting. We need to have you on for another whole conversation about Ali. Who who was Ali before she um, was a mindful oh my meditation God. teacher? I'm like, um, you know, the fact that I was in charge of 24 five-year-olds for eight hours a day is pretty much what's wrong with our education system. <laughs> I was like, does it blow your mind that you look back and you're like, wow, that Ali was very different to me. <laughs> You know, the thing is, if I were doing it now as me today with all of these tools, with being a mom, I would have been so much better. Yeah. I just wasn't. What is one thing in your day that you can't do without? Okay, that would have to be meditation. Yeah, that one can be meditation. I'll, meditation. I'll take that as an answer there. I also think hugs. I'm a really affectionate person. So hugs from my husband, my kids, snuggling with my dog. I really need physical contact. Have you ever looked at your love language? Um, Do you know about those love languages, the five love languages? Yeah, I did read it. And you know what's interesting? My husband and I are both gift givers. Oh, so interesting. Do you know, I, that's definitely one of my um, love languages and it's not so much my husband's. He's all about the physical affection, but I'm definitely in the gift giving and receiving category. It doesn't have to be a grand thing with me, but something simple. And I'm just like, oh, you thought of me. Yeah. Yeah. So sweet. But I, but I guess maybe I have a, t- a tad of the physical affection too. I'd say so. If you, if you answered hug, hugging to that one, I reckon you have a tad of that as well. Yeah. Ali, how would you describe the soul? To me, the soul is really awareness. To me, the soul is what's looking out of your eyes. It's like your true essence. It's who you really are when you strip away everything from the outside world. I think it's really just that awareness, that beautiful awareness. I like that. Going on from there, whoa. So I want to go back to your books, and I would love us to get a little bit of a sneak peek about what getting the most out of motherhood, your second book in the series, is all about. Can you tell us about it? Sure. So it's really kind of the next step in the evolution. So Hot Mess to Mindful Mom is 40 tools for self-care. And Get the Most Out of Motherhood is really taking it to the next level and bringing it more to your family. So it focuses on school-age kids from about 5 to 12. And it's really about a mindful mom mindset. So there is some more tools for self-care in the beginning. I go even deeper into meditation, into giving more meditation instruction in the second book, um, as well as so many other things. And then there's also um, Mindful Mom Methods, which is really setting up systems in your home that really work to run a smooth, functioning, mindful-based home. So kind of what you can do um, in your home to really create that flow. And then Mindful Mom Moments is the third section, and it's ways to bond and connect with your kids. So all kinds of ways you can do that. Oh, can you give us a sneak peek at one of the ways that is a good way to bond with your children? Sure. So a really easy one um, is really making eye contact. Shooting for making eye contact with your kids at least five times a day. Because you might think you're making eye contact with your kids five times a day, but if you if you take away the times that like you're talking to them from the kitchen sink and they're at the table and... Um, you know, it might not be that many that you're like truly making eye contact during a busy day. And that is 
a huge way to connect, you know, to be present. And so my little one, my um, nine-year-old and I have a joke and he will say to each other, you know, look into my eyes. And I'll tell him all the time, look into my eyes so I can tell him something. And so now, you know, he jokes around before bed every night. He's like, mommy, look into my eyes. (laughs) Oh, I love that though, because I'm sitting here thinking, wow, you know, am I making eye contact with my children five times a day or not? I'm not sure. I'm going to be so aware of that. Making breakfast, finishing lunches together, like, you know, maybe looking at them to be sure they're dressed in the right outfit, but mm-hmm. maybe not looking in their eyes. So it's it's just a, something to work toward. Um, you know, some days will be better than others, um, but it's just something to kind of think about and really practice making that eye contact so that they know we're really, really listening to them. And I think the reality is that so many moms, myself included at times, have got too much time in their digital devices slash iPhones. I know you have a digital detox program, don't you? Yes, I have the digital detox for the modern mom and it's all about plugging into your life. So I am not trying to take anyone's phone away at all. <laughs> you mean you're not like you're not like turning it off and giving it some kind of bad, yeah. scary thing that'll take it away from me? <laughs> not at all. It's really just about taking baby steps to um, really step away for just a little bit at a time, but we're talking like 10 minutes, okay, just to see how freeing it can be to walk away from it for just a couple minutes so that you can connect better with the people you love around you. Maybe have a few more minutes for self-care. You know, when people tell me I don't have time to practice gratitude or I don't have time to meditate, my first question is, well, how much time do you think you spend on social media? Because the average adult checks social media 17 times a day. So like if maybe you went down to like eight times a day instead of 17, you probably would have those eight or 10 minutes to meditate. So it's really just taking baby, baby steps to put the phone away a little bit. And I make it super easy and guide people through how to do that. And I will link to that uh, course that Ellie has in the show notes and over on my website as well. But I'm sure you can also find it over on her site. But if you are interested in that, it will definitely be in the show notes. I know that for myself, when I became a stay-at-home mom and I had been in a very busy corporate workspace, and then I really was missing adult connection And without even knowing it, I started spending way more time on my phone and it kind of got away on me. So I know I'm not the only mother that that is the case for. I think there are so many of us who feel some sort of little bit more isolated when we're at home with small kiddos and it can quickly turn into a bit of a problem. problem. So that detox, I think, is a great idea. Yeah, and it came from my clients telling me that they felt really addicted to their phones and they wanted to make a change and me saying, you know what? I've kind of slid backward and I feel a little addicted to my phone. So I want to do it right along with you. (laughs) So I am not taking myself out of the equation. I practice these tools all the time about how to be more mindful about my own phone use and how to be more intentional and not let it get out of hand because it happens to me just like everybody else. So I have to be really mindful of it as well. Oh my gosh. I think the majority of the population are addicted to their phones, Ellie. I think that's just the truth, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Look, wrapping it up here, if you could recommend just one thing for a stressed out mom to do today, 
what would that be? One final thought to leave us with, Ellie. One final thought is to breathe. It takes three nice, long, deep breaths to start settling down your nervous system, coming back to center and balance. So if you enjoyed this podcast and in a stressed out moment, you can't remember what I said to do, just remember to breathe. (laughs) That is the most important thing. Your breath should be your BFF. Your breath should be your best friend. Oh, I like that. Another tweetable moment. Just remember that my breath should be my BFF. Yes. So that's good. Favorite. That's actually probably like one of my favorite lines I've ever come up with. Yeah. But, um, my breath should time. be my BFF. Your breath should be your BFF because it's always with you. You can always use it to calm down, chill out, come back to center. And the great thing is the more you do, your kids will be paying attention. You are modeling this incredible behavior. And all of a sudden you will notice your kids start breathing more too when they feel stressed. And isn't that the goal to really give our kids amazing habits that they can take forward in their own lives as well. Thank you, Ellie. It's been a joy to have you here. For having me. No worries. I hope the conversation with Ellie got you thinking about how you're showing up and approaching motherhood. And if you're not a mother, perhaps just about how you can be more mindful in your everyday As we spoke about in the podcast, Ellie has two books that are going to be available this year. Both are already available for pre-release if you go onto Amazon or other big booksellers. But just search her name, Ellie Katz, and you will find Hot Mess to Mindful Mom and Getting the Most Out of Motherhood. I'll also link to those in the show notes or you can head over to my website at www.thrive.how forward slash podcast 39. You can find Ellie over at her website, hot mess to mindful mom.com. And if you're listening in the UK, Australia or New Zealand, that's mom, M-O-M. If you head over there and join her free community, you will also receive your free gift of Sunday prep to help keep you focused. We also talked about her digital rehab program. This is a really cool little program that's inexpensive and I think a lot of us can benefit from stepping a little bit away from our technology. So if that's something that interests you, you can head over to hotmesstomindfulmum.com forward slash digital dash rehab. The link will be in the show notes. Enjoy your week. And I hope that some of the things that Ellie spoke about in this stick with you. I like the way she's down to earth and practical. It's always good when you come out with a few action points. So if there's one thing that you can apply today from this, give it a go. I'll be back again next week. 